NFL Week 3, Chris Long, Ryan Rosillo on the Ryan Rosillo Podcast from The Ringer. We have a million things to go over, so let's do it. Maybe even a little story time, too, as well. And as always, the podcast is brought to you by our great friends. Not good. We're getting to the great friendship zone now. A Belvedere produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries. Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka, part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition. Belvedere is made with 100% Polska rye, pure water, and no additives and... Look, what can I tell you? They go down smooth, even if the people that you're around aren't smooth. I know they want me to tell a story. I just don't know if I can tell that story right now. I, I shared it with Chris earlier. That seems like, um, <laughs> you know, just put it this way. When somebody says, hey, what do you have? I go, do you, would you like a Belvedere and soda? And um, they were like, why don't, why don't you put, instead of soda water, use more booze to put in there as a mixer. And I'm like, okay, my man is on one. So, Remember to always drink responsibly. No calories, though. No calories in that whole none, concoction. None, none whatsoever. Where do you want to start, my man? Do you want to start 3-0 and teams? I feel like yeah. you're the biggest Colts fan now. I, lo- I love the Colts, bro. Love them. You do? Love Frank. Love Jacoby. T.Y. Hilton. How do you not love that guy? Mac. Quentin Nelson. Yeah, I'd love to talk. We'll, we'll get to them, but... Uh, yeah, three and O is fine. We can start. Let's do the thing where we overreact or uh, pick Super Bowl winners based on who's three and O. Okay, um, Bills Cowboys. That's my pick. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. You slid that. One. My man Spam Newton. That's what I'm calling Josh Allen now. What's his nickname? Spam Newton. Why? He's like an offshoot of Cam Newton, but he he looks a little different. Okay. So, um, the Bills defense right now, I don't know. Is this where we want to start? Do we start Bills? I mean, Bills fans are, are, are excited. They got New England coming in. They're 3-0. and um, If they were a college football team that had a good ranking, we'd say, well, your non-conference was terrible. You played the Jets, the Giants, and Cincinnati. But this was the number two defense in the NFL last year, and they picked it right up. And we can get into the stats that they're not as good as other defenses, but their offense isn't really putting them in great situations. So their defense is actually in an argument. Like you could argue they're the best considering the situations they're put in, but I'm not going to do 30 minutes on the bills. No, nah, nobody wants to hear 30. Nobody wants to hear 30 minutes. I don't even think people in Buffalo want to hear 30 minutes on the bills, but uh, the hype is, is, is uh, I don't know if it's warranted, but it's real. Uh, they're going to be throwing elderly people through tables <laughs> in that parking lot. They're going to be throwing children through tables. They're going to be setting stuff on fire. This is the best thing for viral tailgating videos since ever. So as long as Josh Allen can keep it going, um, I don't know if they're relevant in the Super Bowl conversation, but they're going to be a tough out uh, in most weeks they play because of that defense you mentioned. Last year, they were really good at keeping plays in front of them defensively, not spectacular. No like ace rusher, although I really like Jerry Hughes. And they spread their production out across the board there. So, uh, interesting team from a tailgating perspective for sure. Okay, so then on the other side, Dallas. Are you are you stronger on what you think about Dallas? Because if we're applying the Buffalo scale, and all this stuff is the same. Like for anybody that goes, hey, yes. New England's three and zero. You guys talk them all up, and 
hey, look at San Francisco, and you go, well, <laughs> wait a minute, how do how do you not know the answer to the question of how those two things are different based on what preconceived notions we have about those teams? But if we're still skeptical about Buffalo because of the schedule, then what do you do with Dallas despite those numbers, knowing they played the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins? Well, I think Dallas and the Pats are real, um, and obviously the Chiefs. You know, you look at the other uh, undefeated teams; there may be different echelons below, but uh, I would say you're most certain about the Pats, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys. The Packers are a team with such an upside, man. You just, like like we've talked about, the last time they had a defense like this, a top 10 defense, and I love everything they've done in the offseason. Um, you know, getting the backs that they did, the defensive backs uh, that they did in that, dra- in that Davenport trade, essentially, with New Orleans. Um that was big. The Smith brothers, 2.0. Shout out to Alden Smith and Justin Smith. Um, and now they've got two edge rushers who can apply pressure consistently. Uh, I love what they've done in the offseason. LaFleur seems to be a nice upgrade, honestly, as far as working with Aaron Rodgers for now. Um, they need to do a better job adjusting in the second half. I think they've started fast and kind of tapered off. But I think they're for real. And then obviously you've got the Rams and the Niners in, in the NFC West, and we can get to that. What do you think about the Packers? The defense is definitely for real. Um, I, I don't think there's there's really any doubt to that. I was most impressed with the Vikings game um, than it was Denver, although I had maybe a little bit more respect for Denver losing the way they did, and then they have to go out to Green Bay, and they're, they're competing. Um but the Vikings game was the one where it felt like Aaron Rodgers started looking like the Aaron Rodgers who you sit there and go, okay, they're up 14 nothing. Like I have this other theory too that like when you're up 14 nothing, and this is different because Green Bay shouldn't be dismissive of Minnesota, but I feel like I see this with the good team that we all expect to win when they go up 14 nothing. This game is so hard that being up 14 nothing quickly can actually screw your team up because you work all week, you've got to run into another dude. That's why I never get mad at people celebrating sacks because, okay, how about you run into a 300-pound human 60 times and then get to the goal once? Like, yes, you're, you should be allowed to celebrate because yes, the other times you I'm going to act like an asshole. Right, right. Um, so when I think about the way Green Bay's come out in the Minnesota game, it just it all has to look like Rodgers, although there was one play in that game apparently like where LaFleur was trying to get Rodgers to do something and Rodgers still was like, whatever, I'm doing my own thing. And there was like a sideline screen grab video of it where LaFleur looked like, what are you doing? But that's just part panic of the Rodgers meter. Part of Where's the panic meter? The panic the meter between their relationship? It's low now. It's like a I, one I'm, right now. I, out of 10 or 100? Out of 10. So Rodgers needs one touchdown pass to pass Fran Tarkenden for the ninth most in NFL history. So uh, just an interesting stat there. And then additionally in that game, was it? The Broncos don't have a sack or a takeaway so far this year. <laughs> I'm and sorry, Chris, but I feel bad. like that Tarkin thing is something you came across. You're like, oh, I got to get this in today. Pretty much. Okay. I thought it was All interesting. Right. I'm sorry. Um, are you are you like, hey, dude, don't knock my prep. Let me let me use my prep the way I need to use it. Well, I had it written down. You know, I'm just like, fuck it. I got to fire that one off. It, we could get to the NFC West, which I I think. You know, you got two three and O teams, and they're way different, right? In the perception, everybody expects the Rams to be uh, contenders this year. I think Cooper Cup's given them a big uh, boost offensively. I mean, they're a team that can find different ways to beat people. 
Goff nor Gurley were spectacular last night on the road, and they they find ways to win. Their pass rush is better this year. Uh, their defense is playing pretty solid. But the Niners are really interesting to me, right? I mean, the most misleading game yesterday was the San Francisco-Pittsburgh game, which was hideous. Uh, but it ends up a one-score game, and the Niners kicked their ass. 26 first downs to 11, outgained them 436 to 239, time possession 36 minutes to 23. So the Niners are 3-0, and and their next seven games, they play two teams with winning records. I mean, they 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 could go on a little run here, and um, they don't even have to be good. Uh, it, it could get interesting, not in that division, but from a standpoint of vying for a wild card spot. I'm not sure they're at the the level of beating the Rams with regularity, but um, with Seattle kind of looking pedestrian, who knows? So let's let's stay on the Rams because they were the primetime game last night. Yes, they're a three and team. But if you've watched them the entire time, you know, whether it's Breeze getting hurt in week two in that Saints game where, you know, I'm not saying they weren't going to win it or anything like that, but, um, I, you know, the, the Rams part of this is because they were in the Super Bowl, I think we want to see them dominant at times where we want to see Goff offensively get back to what at one point was like an MVP discussion thing here with Goff. And maybe we've raised our expectations too high for him, for McVay, for the team in general. And yes, they're 3-0, but it hasn't looked as impressive. Is that fair? It has not. But I will say that when you talk to people out there, that Cooper Cup thing cannot be underestimated. Um, when it seemed like nobody else can get open and the offense is sputtering, he's a really nice security blanket. Um, and they had they had bad games last year, too. That's the ebb and flow of it. I mean, when when you look at Jared Goff as not necessarily an, an elite quarterback, he's somebody that in the right system, because that's kind of the discussion around him, can win you a lot of games. And uh, I, I, I don't worry about them. I honestly don't. Um, you know, I worry about Todd um, and them managing things with him from a rep standpoint, but they've done that pretty well so far this year. They haven't had to lean heavily on him. Yeah, Donald was... Um was a lot of fun to watch again last night. Can I do something here where it's maybe irresponsible question of the week? I love it. So what we'll do is we'll just, it's something I don't think necessarily, but if I wanted to go like get in front of everybody else on a TV show, if I were producing it and, and do something to be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little far and away Tom Cruise and plant my flag in this one before anybody Mm. else gets here. And that's not a subliminal because that could apply to so many TV personalities right now. Right. And Far and Away. Did you ever see Far and Away? No. Is that Tom Cruise movie? Yeah. You would have liked that, that reference a lot more. Had you I don't seen really it. watch Tom Cruise movies. I'm probably going to watch Top Gun though because our boy, let's name drop him. Miles Teller is going to be in that movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gardner Minshew was going to be in the new Top Gun. but uh, No, nah, he's, he's probably going to have mono by then. <laughs> have to sit that one out. Isn't, it, CGI isn't that crazy? The that. guy you'd most expect to have mono doesn't have it. And the guy that the quarterback, the young quarterback I'd least expect to have it is sidelined with an enlarged spleen right now. Do Probably you, from drinking do you have somebody, mono survivor I, on your bio? Yeah, no, I, I, I am a mono survivor. Um, That's why, yeah, it might be worth bringing but I mean, some mon- to Think it. about how much mono is probably in Jacksonville. I haven't thought about that. 
So why do you think a high mono Why do you think Jacksonville has a higher concentration of mono than other NFL cities? Guaranteed. In that pool alone, there's a bunch of mono. Yeah, I see. When I see that pool at Jacksonville, I see a bunch of divorces that would cost me a beach house. <laughs> I see a, a terrible engineering misstep, and that is that they left the side like a glass side so you could see the consistency of the water, right? Because you can see that pool from like the side, right? Yeah, I think you can. You're right. Yeah, and it's always, it always looks like it could be a little clearer. Is that what you're getting at? It could always be a little clearer. It's a little bit filmy. I don't know if they went like, uh, they didn't do the chlorine thing and they went like salt water, which would be ill-advised. You gotta, you gotta just zap that thing with chlorine. Uh, <laughs> over under on... <laughs> Over under on turds in that pool in one season. I'm setting it at four. Really? Wow, you went there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a pretty aggressive move, man. Is it? Yeah, I think Offense it is. sputters I, a little bit. It's a little hot. What do you do when you get out of that pool? Is there a locker room? No, I'm going to guess they, they've had seasons where there's been zero. I, I think you're being way too loose with the 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 person that's like, yeah, I'm cool with this. So you're taking the under. All right. Prop bet it. Get Stanford Steve on here. All right. We'll prop bet it. Okay. So now that we've um, talked about, hey, you're not going to get, you're not going to get mono, but your hair is going to turn green at our pool uh, with the new chlorine blasting of it. Here's the irresponsible question of the week. Is there any chance Baker isn't good? Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Why don't I go first? Because I've been thinking about it. Uh, my, my first instinct would be, no, that's a ridiculous question to ask this soon in to the guy's career. And I think there's a very big difference where when I watch him, when he gets the ball out quickly, it's incredible. Like when he's, when he knows and he's on time and all that stuff, like it's, it's really impressive. So that's why the Browns wanted him one. That's why other teams, I know for a fact, you know, other teams were interested in him. So even though it seemed like, wait a minute, Baker Mayfield's going to go ahead of all these other guys, other teams actually did like him. So this wasn't some rogue thing by Dorsey in the Browns. So I think it's irresponsible to ask right now, but there's, they haven't looked good. You know, they, they haven't looked good. And I don't know if that's Baker or if it's a combination of all the stuff they're doing. I'll just leave it with this before you take it over. But like Warren Sharp, who had the routes that he was showing, and then I commented on it the other night, when they were way backed up, and I, it was a third and seven, they send two mm -hmm. guys out to the right side on go routes where they're basically right next to each other. And then the other route on the left side is a, is a deep post. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Like you're all backed up and you have to get all these guys down the field. And that means Baker's going to be back there the whole time. And it seems like he's two completely different quarterbacks when it's on time versus him, despite his mobility, freelancing and holding on to the football longer. You think you think uh, you got a case of coordinator face by uh, down by Lake Erie there? Kitchens, Is yeah. Is it Lake Erie? I mean, he's, he's, oh, then, of course, you know, Wiley came out today, the former offensive line coach, and there was a piece in Cleveland this morning being like, Kitchens didn't do any of this stuff. It was all Damn. the OC. <laughs> yeah, he the, where's Wiley? Is he on the couch? Yes. People get people. People get. Uh, they got those reporters on speed dial. When I mean, I sometimes you got to blow the whistle. But I, I guess um, for me, it's an interesting conversation because they've seemingly done the easy stuff to surround him with the right pieces. Um, you know, their receiving core, the tight end they have, um, their splash moves. You know, and the way he came on late last year set kind of unrealistic expectations for what this team could do this year. And we all fell victim to that 
the expectations one way or another. I don't know about all of us, but the Baker wins, you look at them so far, the Jets twice, Baltimore with Flacco, Atlanta, Cincy twice, Carolina, and Denver. And that's from Carrington Harrison, somebody I follow on Twitter. Um, it's, it's, there, there, there aren't a ton of great wins, but I think Baker's a hell, I mean, I think he's a hell of a thrower. And what you don't do is you get rid of your best offensive lineman. Uh, Baker's not the tallest guy. Your O-line's struggling. He's better when he's on schedule. Uh, there's plenty of figures that support that. Uh, his, his average snap to throw is 3.06 seconds, which is towards the bottom of the league. It's uh, up from 2.9 last year. There's a ton of metrics to say if he gets the ball out quickly. Um, for instance, 74% completion rate when he throws within 2.5, and it drops to 55 after 2.5. Uh, so I, I think being on schedule is big for them. You want to compare them maybe to like a Chicago if you're lazy because with the RPOs and, and, and the timing throws, you'd say they're similar. But the big difference is there. The situations are flipped. The quarterback's much better in Cleveland, in Baker, over Trubisky, and the offensive line is much better in Chicago over Cleveland's. So it's like if you're grading him, it's incomplete because he's always bailing out of the back of the pocket because there's pressure up the middle all the time. And uh, they haven't invested in the O-line the way they have in some of the splash moves. So I don't think he's... I, I think he's a good quarterback. And I think if they actually get that situation uh, under control up front, you'll see him be able to settle a lot more and throw with timing. Yeah, I'm on that side of the argument. That's why we were calling it the irresponsible question of the week. But yeah. We're just, we're, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So so there you go. All right, which direction do you want to go now? Well, there. I mean, like, let, we could start with uh, my my favorite new team not uh, ending in E-A-G-L-E-S. It's Well, the Colts. Take it away. Yeah. That's the, it's the, you know, can we call that the... Dougie P coaching tree, Frank Wright. Um, Absolutely, I he's he's my uh, he's my pick for early pick for coach of the year. Um, everything with Andrew Luck and and look at the way Jacoby's looked. Consider this: if they found another franchise quarterback, are the Colts fans who booed Andrew Luck, uh, some of them, the luckiest in football? I mean, they've had three franchise quarterbacks. If this guy hits. ABC, no lag time uh, in Manning, Luck, and now maybe Brissett, who started off, I think, hitting his first 16 receivers yesterday and including nine for nine and 96 and a touchdown on his first nine. Yeah, Mac first 16. Mac is special um, out of the backfield. And uh, they were up 20 to three at the half. Um, on the other side of it, we could talk about the Falcons, but man, you've got to be impressed with Indy. They look real to me. I mean, um, they're a team that's always going to be in it. They kept they kept Jacoby clean all day. And when are we going to start talking about Quentin Nelson as being one of the best five football players in the league? I mean, I, I guess some people might be already, but you know, you almost talk about that conversation. You know, quarterbacks and non quarterbacks. And you know, I've talked a lot about Aaron Donald. Are we talking about Quentin enough as possibly being relative to the drop off to the number two guard in the league, the best player in the league? Did you ever have to go up against him? Yeah, I, I had to play him last year. Um, and yeah, you you feel it when he like pulls. I mean, he's just he's got he's got a he's got like a Steve Hutchinson dome. 
I remember playing Steve Hutchinson and just thinking, holy shit, this guy's head is fucking huge. Uh, I don't know if they like measure, <laughs> measure that at the combine, but that helmet, uh, it's massive. And, and it's just a guy who can come to balance and, and play with such strength in positions where other guys would be out of control and his hands are heavy. Um, he, and, he, and he plays with the right amount of, of, of nasty. You see he caught Melvin Ingram on that spin that kind of went viral. He's a guy that like, you know, last night you tweeted about AD. I'd love to just have an ISO cam on, on Q as well. That would be awesome if we started doing head measurements at the combine. Be like, I don't know. He's, I don't he's know. only like a 7 eighth. <laughs> What's uh, his new era? But is that 7 5 eighths in new era? Didn't you cheat at the combine? I did. That's good recall. Did you ever share this? I've talked about it. Um, so basically... I mean, I had a good vert. I mean, I jumped 34. Um, not bad for being a bit pastier. Um, but I put some some Kleenex in uh, in my glove, like a little bit in the tip. You know, I tried to put that on after I measured because they, they make you stand up and reach as high as you can. Obviously, that's your baseline. And then I went off in the corner and put some Kleenex in my glove. And I walked back up. And you had like up, extra long to, fingertip gloves. Yeah, so me? I could reach higher. And uh, they caught me. Um, little gamesmanship, right? Never hurt anybody. It's not like I have to jump that high or that much playing in the NFL. So, yeah. What else did you did you cheat on anything else or no? I never cheated. I never cheated myself, Ryan. What did you do on the bench press? The bench press? Oh yeah, I did. So when it came to bench, um, <laughs> you got a good memory. When it comes to bench, uh, I've never been a big bencher. And uh, I kind of hurt my thumb in the bowl game, but I oh, use that yeah. as an excuse why I couldn't bench. No, and of course everybody's like, all of us do it. Like, oh, it's I'm tight, it's tight today. It's usually a deep yeah. Better. I was like, man, my thumb is just, you know, I might have benched eight, ten times at two twenty five. I don't know, but it would have been a big red flag, and I would have, you know, probably plummeted to the middle of the first where I belonged. But uh, but still, I mean, shit. I never, I never bench press anybody once on the field, and you know, I, I think that shit's overrated. But on the other side, what do you think of Atlanta? Because I mean, we're we've we've kind of let Indy dominate this this whole discussion. So okay, um, I always like I, I always like Atlanta because I like Matt Ryan. Um, you know, all these teams that we're talking about here, sifting through these seven three and O teams, half of them are going to have devastating levels of injuries. That's why, in a way. I love the the masculinity of football. If that's still okay to say today, I hope so. Hope no yeah. one does. Uh, I mean, it's an alpha male that. sport. Whatever, however, you want to slice that. Right, but it's this not is toxic. The, yeah, I don't want to be toxic about it. Thank you. It just the fact that who you are week one is not who you're going to be week seventeen, and you got to figure it out. Okay, and yes. whether it's a quarterback injury, which we can get to some of the quarterback turnover because I did some of these numbers, or just. You know, certain guys that you're losing. And Atlanta lost so many guys, whether it was the offensive line or the middle of their defense, where you go, this is actually a real excuse. Um, you know, because I don't like when people say, like, oh, injuries aren't an excuse. Well, actually, sometimes it's so overwhelming, it's an excuse. But then I watch Atlanta again, and I still kind of fall for it a little bit with them. And then they're getting back into that game. And I'm like, here we go. And then Neil goes out, where I've had this love affair with Gator's safeties going all the way back to Reggie Nelson, who, you know, was awesome in college, was probably not what you thought he'd be, but still was okay. And then Elam, who I thought was going to be awesome, wasn't. And now Neil, who's been a stud, 
I can't get enough of those Florida safeties, and now he's hurt. And I'd imagine it's probably going to be a disappointing, uh, disappointing year in Atlanta again. Even though I, yeah, I like the talent and didn't they the throw the flag on him for throwing his helmet? Yeah, after he blew out his Achilles. Yeah, it's fucking absurd, dude. I mean, um, hope he gets well. I mean, it's just that's been a lot of bad breaks for him. And uh, with Atlanta, I mean, you got to do more rushing the passer. They had half a sack yesterday. Jacoby was clean. They've only got four on the year uh, as a team. Most of them came in that Eagles game. And uh, listen, the Falcons are the most penalized team in the league, I think. They had 16 for 128 yesterday. I think they had 35 for 264 through three weeks. You can't win that way. They're dealing with new new coordinators on both sides of the ball. So Quinn's got to own this, right? Um, You know, there's nobody to say, and I like Quinn a lot. um, I do too. But there's nobody to say, well... It's on this guy or that guy. I mean, you made the changes. Um, that's a lot of stuff being in flux. The saving grace is if Atlanta can decide to play with any consistency, you know, two of the three best quarterbacks in the division are out. And you would think the division would be there for the taking, but two of their first three games in Atlanta, they have been off schedule. They've been down early. And uh, that just doesn't, that's not the formula for them. They got Freeman going yesterday, but if you're down early, that's that's not how they want to play. And uh, listen, I mean, they, Julio made some circus. He made a circus catch in the end zone, went for eight for 128. A lot of fun to watch. Um, Matt made some nice throws. You like Matt, but uh, that's not the formula to win. And, uh, you know, I hate to overshadow or disrespect the Falcons here, but they're, they're one and two. And uh, the Colts... Colts look relatively real. So, okay. So, but we could also do this too. Where we're looking at this after week six, going, "Hey, Atlanta ran into three playoff teams in the first three weeks," and no doubt about it. But until they start playing better, I can't talk about them. Like, you know, they they have everything going for them in that division, and they can't seem to just play with consistency. Um, within a game, over three games. Again, two new coordinators, that's a big big deal, and the penalties are bad. And teams that get penalty, penalized a lot like that, I know that in Seattle, uh, and Quinn was there for part of the time, uh, I believe they were one of the most penalized teams in, in the league, and they were a real outlier as far as being able to withstand that, that type of undisciplined play. Uh, you can't quite do it. The roster's not the same down there. Um, so... One of the more entertaining games to watch yesterday. Another was uh, was Rivers uh, dueling it out with Watson, and I know you really you like that uh, that Rivers meme yesterday that Big Cat uh, tweeted. Well, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that you would sit there and say it's like wrestling writers do the Chargers script every year, and they go, <laughs> "Hey, so here's the deal. It's you know you're going to be up, and then you know around six minutes the fourth quarter you're going to be down again." And you're going to have these two possessions and like the offensive line, you know, it's going to be tired and you're going to be running around like you're getting chased by a rattlesnake in the sun. And, you know, you're just going to start throwing it and sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it isn't. And, but you have to do it every Sunday for the, like the last five years of career. And for whatever reason, your game's always going to be the last one on also. And it's still going to be light out, out all the time, which is going to, it's totally disorienting to me. It's like yeah. you get the, I got the Sunday scaries. I get this, I call them the gremlins. Everybody gets them on Sundays in one way or another, but like they're just starting to set in and then you just watch the chargers kind of implode a little bit and it just makes you more anxious. 
Yeah, it's not it's settling. A, you kind of you're hoping for like, can I just get a 28-10 here? Starting the fourth quarter, game's over. Maybe I can go outside <laughs> yeah. a little bit, run run to the corner store and, and grab some supplies. And it's like, no, no, no. We we need you in an angst-filled seat, matching the angst of Philip Rivers last few years. And it's always the only like? game that's on at the end. I can't believe how consistently it happens because it does. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Yesterday, here's here was the problem and the in- interesting conversation. And this is not like I want to get to Houston because Deshaun was fucking awesome. Um, but when it comes to L.A., good job not saying San Diego. Pat myself on the back there. Um, well done. They had five carries for 12 yards in the third quarter. They're up 17-7 at the half. The conversation about Melvin Gordon starts to rear its ugly head again. I mean, the first two weeks we talked about, well, it looks like they're getting production elsewhere, right? So the trade value, the perceived trade value goes down, but that doesn't mean that his value to the Chargers goes down. And uh, as you looked at it yesterday, they have a lead. You need to be able to control the clock. You could sure use him. Uh, there are going to be more games like this down the road this this year. I don't know where they're at with that situation, but they certainly look like they could have used him yesterday. Um, and Rivers had them right there in a position to win at the end, converting on third and very long, and then um, a, a bad drop by Benjamin at the goal line that would have tied the game up. Um, and and again, misfortune for him. But but Deshaun was great; he really was. Yeah, he's kind of in that. I don't want to put him. I don't want to put him in the Mahomes category because Mahomes feels like. And I w- we'll get to this you know, Baltimore KC thing here in a second, but it, it is very close in that there's just plays being made by him with, I don't know if the basketball player analogy works, but it's just it's hard a to do stuff. Thing, dude. It, 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 he looks like he's throwing a baseball. I mean, he's, he's like, uh, it's like watching like Ozzie Guillen play catch in that the, you know, if you like baseball, it's, it's like mystifying to watch this dude play catch. Um, or it was maybe somebody else. I'm not a big baseball guy, but you watch some of these middle infielders like turn double plays, like just toss the ball around. Mahomes, it's that's how he looks out there. I mean, he's got the control of of a baseball on a football. That's and, true, but but I also think he does stuff, especially because of that offensive line. Although he's got you know a really nice group of receivers, he does stuff that feels like it's on his own. And this is a very tough sport to do stuff consistently every week. Where you're doing it on his own. I'm not, and again, I'm not talking about like talent drop off. I'm talking about his creativity to make stuff work when it looks like he. Obviously, that's part of it. He's so used to have to running around now that yeah. he's as good as anybody making stuff up out of nothing. I mean, yeah, he does make everybody around him a little bit better. I mean that that group offensively at different times has not been has not been special. And he can go on runs. I mean, last year he went on a really scary run when we had a big lead over them and we almost blew it at the link. And he was just shaking people off. I missed the sack. Mike Bennett missed the sack. I think three people missed the sack in one play. And he, and he you know, throws a 50-yard bomb. He did that yesterday. He shook off Ingram uh, to throw a touchdown. He's, uh, it looks to me like Houston, at least in the short term, is getting a lot out of those pieces they got from Miami. I mean, because... Deshaun looked really comfortable yesterday, 135 rating. He hit tight ends for 119 yards on eight catches and three touchdowns. Um, Kenny Stills went for over 80 yards. And Hopkins, who might be the best receiver in the league, or one of them, um, he didn't even have to go off yesterday. I mean, I think he had about 60 yards receiving. Um, Yeah, Watson 
Watson's special. Uh, he, he really is. But I, I do want to throw this into the hat. Um, the guy nobody talks about is Keenan Allen. How the hell do we not talk about Keenan Allen more? We're talking about every receiver on the field, but not Keenan Allen. He's got 29 receptions on 42 targets for 404 uh, with eight going for over 20 yards. They're all, they're all league best. He's averaging 134 yards a game. It's the best in the league by 20 yards. I mean, how do we not? Why, it's because he plays in LA, which you think would be a big market, but it's not a, the Chargers are not a big football market team. And if he played anywhere else, we'd be talking about him like, you know, maybe not Julio, but we'd be talking about him like, like OBJ and, and, uh, and we talk about him like Hopkins and we talk about him like all these receivers, Mike Thomas. Why are we not talking about Keenan Allen? You know? Yeah. Keenan, Keenan never gets mentioned in that group. And, you know, the first thing I thought was, well, how many games does he miss? He really just missed games in 2016 where he only played in one, but, you know, every other year, 14 games, 14 games. 16, 16, you know, he, all right. So I think maybe it was 15 and 16 because he missed, missed half the season 15. He missed basically 15 games in 16. But when I look at the Chargers receiving depth, when everybody's right with Williams, when everybody's healthy, you're like, these guys are studs. But mm -hmm. Allen, um, Allen's probably deserves to be brought up more. I mean, this is year three. They're in Los Angeles. So you can't just make this out to be always stuck in San Diego. Although to be the Chargers in Los Angeles is even kind of so, like, so yeah, they're, they're like sixth fiddle in LA. I mean, you know, it just doesn't, like you said, everybody's watching their games, you know, when they're ready to, to call it a night or get to the, uh, Sunday night football game every, every Sunday. I mean, and, uh, I think it's unfortunate because Keenan Allen is to me is, is one of the most underrated players in the league, if that's possible, and uh, certainly one of my favorite to watch. Uh, but as far as uh, as Houston, Deshaun was concerned, he's the fourth fastest player to reach 50 passing touchdowns in the Super Bowl era between Marino and Stafford, so we don't know what the fuck that means. But, I mean, it's an interesting stat. Um, I think he's he's reaped the benefits of having a left tackle he can depend on, and uh, Kenny Stills is a totally underrated acquisition for them as well yeah stills adds to it fuller healthy um so it's not like he's not working without receivers it's just okay there's games especially the way the way it started that eagles game or excuse me the saints game where you go all right how is this guy gonna be able to, to stay healthy and since that one was its own slot for that saints game like the rest of the country is kind of like man this stuff still happened with him Let's uh let's do the Giants here because it probably took I too long. It. We probably should have gotten this thing in before. Daniel Jones, I know you have all the history written down, but it's just a classic. Twitter went one way. Let's face it, New York fans in attendance at drafts are not great evaluators of talent. Przingis kid is some of my least favorite content of all time. Um, I'm not telling you I thought Daniel Jones was just going to be good, but I know when it comes to the NFL draft, 95% of the people that have an opinion on it have never watched any of these kids play in college. It's just the way it works. The NFL draft is so funny to me that you can read about some defensive tackle who played at Mississippi State and then be convinced as a fan that you have to have him when you've never even seen him take a snap. And then if he's supposed to go where your mock pick is on all the stuff that you've seen online, and then they end up taking the safety from Cal that you didn't know as much about, you just assume the pick sucked. So that's summarizing yeah. reaction to the draft in general because almost everybody does it that way except for the people that work at it or watch a lot of college football or knew who Gardner Minshew was more than two weeks ago. So the Jones thing was, I think, more – I don't even know if it was as anti-Jones, Chris, as it was anti-Gettleman because at that point, everybody thought Gettleman was just this clown show running an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. 
And today he's the smartest guy in the room, which people will say, you know, caveat being, yeah, but you shipped OBJ. Okay. I mean, okay. I could argue. I could argue. I don't want to start a shit storm, but, um, you know, maybe Daniel Jones is, is just fine. Um, I, I do think when you look at it, he just, he looks, he looks comfortable, maybe too comfortable at times, you know, two fumbles yesterday. Uh, but man, this guy is mobile, bro. And I'm I'm seeing a lot of low key fast commentary on my feed. Does that like, offend you? Hmm. Yeah. Coding. Uh, 19 and a half miles per hour though on the seven yard touchdown run. Only QBs to run faster are Kyler and Lamar this year. The guy's athletic and uh and he moves well in the pocket. You know, you could see it right away. I think a lot of times like I discount preseason because it's just so different. And and like I said yesterday, I, I, I want to get on this Daniel Jones hype train, and I said that for the record in the first quarter. Um, because sometimes you just got to see a guy get out there for a couple series and see how comfortable he looks. You can okay, but you did you like him? You you liked him out of Duke, didn't you? I did like him, but I didn't want to. You know, part of me I don't want to do this, but I, I'll say it. I mean, I, I did like him, but I, I didn't have the balls to say I liked him out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you so, know, I'm starting my career in the media. The first wagon I want to hitch myself to is is uh is the most polarizing pick in the uh, NFL draft. Um but listen, if he's good enough for Cutcliffe, he's kind of good enough for me. He sure does he he sure does move well in the pocket. Um he looks comfortable distributing the football. I mean, he he threw some nice balls yesterday, and uh, you know the first third and nine, he's got pressure. Um, he ends up converting that third and nine, and I think all year the Giants were over on uh, they were over twelve on third and seven plus. You know Daniel Jones one and zero when he's down eighteen, Manning zero and forty four. I mean you see all these stats, but like they they matter, and then the ultimate like where did they come up with this shit stat that I think is actually valid? Is uh, is that quarterbacks who had 300 plus yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a fourth fourth quarter comeback are Young, Culpepper, Newton, Breeze, Rodgers, and Jones? Are you buying that stat, or do you hate it? I just I don't like I don't like um, comparing what's happening the last couple years production wise previous years i mean everybody does the manning thing i mean there's so many different i feel like it's a little like kevin bacon where you can look at the start of any young quarterback's career and be like well look at how it matches up with manning look at how it does this so you didn't um, like hollow man hollow man yeah no i never saw it uh, give me a quick pitch it. what was hollow there's not man? much to see get it oh <laughs> next up is that what the movie poster says is that an actual movie no. <laughs> yeah he's fucking invisible bro Hollow Man. Wait a minute. How do I not know this movie? Well, because you didn't know Kevin Bacon was in it because he's he's um he's invisible. All right, we're gonna have to research this. We got idea. Yeah, it's on a it. two thousand film. Two thousand film. Hollow Man. Twenty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's still about a brilliant but arrogant scientist who discovered a way to make matter invisible. Hmm. Yeah. See, this is the this is what gives me hope. Is when somebody's like, "How's the screenplay writing going?" I'm like, "You see some of the shit people say yes to." Yeah. yeah. So you, you. I mean, I would think you should be able to break into that business. 
But they did oh, have wait, Rona I remember Mitra. This. Yeah. Yeah, Rona Mitra's in this film who is a childhood crush. Who is that? Elizabeth Shue? What are we talking about here? Rona Mitra. She was a supporting actress in this film. I'm um, going to check her out. Uh, she could be my neighbor, Chris. She could be. I mean, Imagine. you live you live among the stars. I know. Um, oh, she was born in London. This is probably when it started. All the English people getting our best roles. Yeah, she got Hollow Man and it was over from there. Oh, she's still working. She's going to be in Squadron 42, the video No, game. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, like... Yeah. Hollow Man's a tough one. Um, <laughs> we were talking right, about Daniel so Jones. Daniel I don't Jones. think Daniel Jones is Hollow Man. I don't think he's Kevin Bacon. I think Daniel Jones is a guy that you're going to be happy with for a long time there. And I, I'm ready to die on that hill. So you're the, yeah, that's After, it. You're on it right now. You One game was enough for you. You are... Because the, the pushback would be, hey, the people that actually did study draft picks, their argument was... Daniel Jones was not an efficient quarterback at Duke. There is not really much of a track record for guys but like, hey, the guy that was inefficient there, now you're going to go be efficient on Sundays. It was the it's first game. It's almost like you can get better and develop. You know, everybody is really willing to accept the fact that Lamar has developed. Why can't Daniel Jones develop? I mean, I, you know, you look at Lamar from college to year one to year two. Um, it's been, it's been a process and I think with Daniel Jones, it could be a process too, but you know, I like what I see and you're going to figure out a lot more about Daniel Jones the next three weeks. So I might hold my take, but, but we've got the, the Redskins, the Vikings and the Patriots. Those are three pretty solid defenses. The latter two being the big tests. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching him yesterday. You know, Eli has been really classy. He did look legitimately happy for him. I don't think he's a great actor. Um, so if he wasn't happy. Um, I want to shout out Shaq Barrett, though. Eight sacks in three games. The Bucks. Most people don't even know who he is. Liked him since Denver. Denver doesn't have any sacks now. Shaq Barrett. I can't and imagine the- um, how hard it would be to be fake happy when you've been benched and the other guy wins. That's going to be one of the toughest things to do. Like you can even see it in Bledsoe a little bit when Brady's slapping his pads, being like, "We did it, we did it," and Drew's like, "Yeah, yeah. dude, sweet." Like I haven't heard a flight actually, and uh, but he's know. done well. Bledsoe's done well with that for two decades. So, I mean, if he's acting happy, he's doing a hell of a job. Maybe he should get the Hollow Man. The Hollow <laughs> Maybe Man we bring role. him back. Hollow Man I'm not saying reboot. he's been faking it for twenty years. I'm just saying that in that moment. There's no way as an athlete, as a competitor, as somebody where you're going, I'm just as pumped to have been sitting here and being supportive. I mean, Bledsoe was losing his mind when he got drafted. He he was no, excuse yeah. me, he got benched. I mean, listen. Listen, you you root for people. I you know, I've had I've had situations like that in my career where, you know, like you see a guy drafted or you see something happen roster wise, and you're like, Well, that's kind of the end of me, or like that's that's bad news for me, but you got to be able to like try to separate the personal part of it and not be a hater because like the last thing you want to be is ever a hater. And so you almost go into like overdrive trying to root for the person or bring them along. And uh, 
And yeah, I just think if you're legitimately happy for somebody, it'll it'll come out. And if and if you're not, people can tell. And I think Eli, Eli's probably happy for the kid. I think part of Eli might be relieved that this is all over. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying Eli's faking. I'm just saying that that's that's still. It's hard to still be. I'm not saying none of this is genuine or anything like that. But it just the human nature part of it. It would be really hard to sit there and go. Oh yeah. Yeah, like this is this is sweet. Was there ever a vet who was like, I don't care who your daddy was, but <laughs> I'm not impressed. Well, one of, one of my my first one of my best friends in the world is James Hall, and and he was a, objectively a better football player than me when I got drafted uh, my first year um, for sure. And he was older; he was way older, and he was somebody who, like, I think in general was just like, I'm not talking to rookies. It had nothing to do with that. But uh, but by my second and third year. All those vets who, you know, Leonard Little, you know, uh, Fred Robbins later on, you know, different guys, Jay Hall, Leroy Glover. It's hard to tell when you're a rookie whether they're just they're just busting your balls because you're a rookie, or if they don't want you to do well. Um, I think there's it's 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 a thin line and it's hard to figure out. But what I've figured out is that all those vets who were kind of assholes to me the first year are treated me like. You know, like I really need to earn my way. It was the best thing for me, and um, they're all still my buddies. So, in my experience, I never had somebody who who was, and I try to pay that back. Like like later in my career, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in Germany getting stem cell to try to extend my career. Uh, after Philly signed me, and uh, because the time change, I have to go to bed. I'm, I heard they probably aren't going to draft anybody, but. You never know. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm in Philly. I'm going to have this nice role carved out. And I wake up at 3 a.m. to just check my phone because the draft has been happening. And my phone, there's like 65 text messages like, well, damn, bro. Like, they just drafted a DN in the first round. Um, And then I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I was just really flustered. Um, But it turned out me and Derek Barnett became like best buddies. And we, we won a Super Bowl together. And we rushed together. You know, there was a way. I mean, it just worked out. And he's still one of my my better friends that I played with the past couple of years. So it just, you never know. And I bet Eli and Daniel have a nice relationship for a long time. I have a story that I want to add to that, but it's, it's not about a pro athlete. And I'm going to get a ruling on it from you. I also have this really interesting stuff that I picked up from around the NFL on the phone about Belichick and the Antonio Brown thing and sifting through all the uncertainty there. And we still have to do this quarterback thing, and we still haven't talked about Lamar against Mahomes, who from now on, when anybody texts me, like, what game are you watching? It's going to be Kansas City. It's always going to be right. Kansas City. When Kansas City's on, that's who I'm watching. Right. Because it's that much fun. Right. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story about that off of the, the rookie thing. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our good friends at Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals on cool, top-rated boutique hotels. Their name is Hotel Tonight, but you can actually book in advance, which is great. Whether you're a planner or a procrastinator, instead of having to scroll through endless lists of hotels, Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you'll actually want to stay at. It's perfect for weekend getaways, big vacations, staycations, road trips, business trips, and more. I just used it the other day, booking my trip to Oxford, Mississippi for LSU Ole Miss. And I'm just telling you, I'm glad I have the Hotel Tonight app on my phone because finding a hotel in Oxford for that weekend isn't really easy. And we got to drive all the way in from Memphis for that one. Um, 
So we're trying to put that trip together now. And with Hotel Tonight's special daily drop feature, you choose a major city and unlock an extra amazing deal just for you. This isn't script. This is it. I have it. I look. Hey, I'm in New York. Okay, I need a hotel later tonight. Whoa, the daily drop. I slide the thing. And then whatever was already discounted hotel with this feature, they give you this 15-minute window to see if you want to book it. And sometimes it's incredible how much you save. So there you go. That's off script because I just thought it was easier to describe it that way. You get one daily deal per person and once unlocked, the offer lasts, as I said, only 15 minutes. So it's like a fun game where you have to book quickly. It's not available in all destinations, but some of their best deals are available via daily drop. Whether you're searching for tonight or for a few weeks away, daily drop is an awesome way to save big on a great hotel. Visit hoteltonight.com. Just download the app to unlock a getaway today. Okay, a couple years ago, a bunch of friends and I from Vermont, we rented out, um, well, from school, from UVM, we rented out a house outside of Augusta, and I got badges through ESPN. I think that's when the layoffs were about to happen, and there was some there was a real debate there for like six weeks of whether or not I was going to get whacked. And so they may have just felt bad for me. That day I may have been on the, the day I got my master's passes, Chris, might have been a day where I was on the he's done list. And hmm. they gave me four passes to like three of the days because I said I actually don't want Sunday because I want to be able to get out of there. Um, and then they gave me the the double legal badges, which is the best setup ever. You drive your car and they park it for you. They pull in. And we were like the cool guys because we weren't 100. And it was an unbelievable trip. And so there were some other guys around that we were friends with. And then some guys that we had gone to school with but were just older. And you know how it is. Like the turnover is the turnover. So yeah. there was a dude coming by that had been a senior when we were all freshmen who was in our fraternity. And honestly, he wasn't like one of those guys that was hazing. You know, he just he was off campus. He was a really nice guy. But one of my friends that was my year, I go, we should, we should screw with one of these guys. <laughs> like, let's figure out a way to fuck with one of them and just see how long we can go with it. Cause this is uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're shocked to hear I have a buddy named Sully. So so then I go, what are we going to do? We're like, all right, here, here's what we're going to do. Like, since now I'm, I'm bigger than I, than I was when I was a, a freshman up in Vermont running around with my Patagonia vest and game hat. Um, nice. Nice I'm ensemble. Gonna, right, right. Like, hey, is that, is that an awesome fanny pack there? No, no, no. This is my book bag. Um, there was a dude. We were like, all right, what we're going to do is I'm going to pretend that he did something in 1993 when he was hazing us actually it would have been 94 because we had to carry it over um i'm gonna just i'm gonna be real standoffish to him when he shows up to our house and i'm just gonna carry it for like an hour and then you pull him aside and be like i don't know really Priscilla was a little vague about it but you did something to him in 94 and he's never let it go <laughs> so uh, what happened so like i just didn't talk to him I kind of gave him like a like a brush off handshake thing and then like stood in front of him, blocked his view. And then I was like, hey, does anybody need a beer? And I went upstairs and I grabbed three and didn't get him one and then walked away. <laughs> and then my buddy Sully after an hour was like, hey, just so you know, like Rosillo's still pissed at you about something. He wouldn't really get into it, but <laughs> does he? Does he still think we, that? Yeah, we carried it out for like an hour and then it was just sort of exhausting and I felt bad because I was like, I'm ruining what's <clears throat> what's a really good time here with all of our friends around. So why are you doing this? This Unrelated on the Masters, you can't have your phone, right? No, and it's great. I mean, you go through a 30-minute anxiety thing of thinking you've lost it 
every two minutes or that but, it's on like like because to me i was so afraid of my phone going off and like a belichick meeting i used to turn the phone off and i put it out in the hallway at hotels like on the ground like most people turn their phone off and they just put it in their pocket like there's nothing worse than your phone going off during a meeting i would think that like the feeling of your phone going off at the masters is like 10 belichick meetings combined like <laughs> Cause you're gone, bro. You're, you're like, you're never coming back. You're an asshole, let alone if it's in a backswing that, that has to be just a petrifying. Have you, have you seen anybody on their phone there? Is that, is that like legit? Oh, it's totally legit. Yeah. No, you, you can't, you can't bring it in. So part of the hosting things that they have, like that's the way to do it. If you can pull it off is if you go there, then you also want the hosting thing. Cause you can go in and out of the facility and you go back over, have a couple of beers, you can have some lunch, but the concessions there are really, really cheap. So you could do it that way, but you don't bring your phone in. And I would, I told a few people, I remember there's one girl I was talking to and she was like, Oh, whatever. She's like, I would have just snuck it in. She's like, I, I would have just, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like you would have pulled it out and started taking pictures. And then everybody been like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to have it. And you know, what's great about it. It's kind of nice. Because then it's you know eight hours of walking the course. Oh, and the it's cool liberating. Part, it's 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 incredibly liberating. Like I've been doing it more and more. Like if I go down to the beach or if I go out to a dinner, I'm turning it off now, and it, it's something I'm trying to do more of, and I'm I'm really thrilled about it. I I try not to spend all day. I want to get a flip phone just for that reason. But you think there's a flip you, phone? Like, are you thinking about getting back in a Nokia position? Yeah, I want like the one that like goes whap when it closes. You know. Um, Maybe a Motorola, one of the old school ones. Yeah, just the old school ones because it doesn't have any of these stupid apps that make me so. I mean, like Twitter's bad for your health. Instagram's bad for your health. Glancing at your phone all day is bad for your health. Um, you know, one time actually on topic before we move on, and this is really a long tangent, but I had a chameleon era ringer in college that went off in a large auditorium at like one of the 100 level classes. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was in my backpack and I, f I fumbled around for a solid three minutes. It felt like, I think it was riding dirty. It had to be riding dirty, right? If you had a different chameleon air download, I may I respect it more, but at the same time, you know how many people in that room thought you were awesome? And then there was a lot of people yeah, who thought you like, sucked. Cool kid. I'm surprised it wasn't a Mike Jones. I was a big Mike Jones fan. Speaking of Houston... <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I was a Mike Jones fan in college. Um, I absolutely loved Mike Jones. I mean, 281-330-8004. Who else made a whole a phone number? Is there a more famous phone number besides uh, 8675309? No, I guess it has to be number two to that, but I don't want it to be. But I, as I'm pulling it up now, I mean, I loved, I loved Mike Jones. Loved I do too. Mike Jones. And um, this story is Who is Mike is Jones? From, uh, wait a minute. Two, who eight, is one? Mike Jones is that was the album in Yeah, it was a real... The whole thing was about Mike Jones. Like, you people, his friends, I had heard call him a narcissist, and he was like, what the fuck? What do you think I was doing? What do you think I get in the game for? Well, it was so, a nice gimmick, and uh, the song, so, track three, Flossin, featuring Big Mo classic you know what else was Scandal great about the mike jones thing was that 
I think the Terps had a basketball player around that time. Yeah, Mike Jones. And yeah, so he's 10 years, he's your age. He's from Dorchester, by the way. Uh, and every time, every time Mike Jones scored, that Maryland student section, which is incredible, would be like, Mike Jones. They should have just said who. And you know, the funniest thing was when I, I had Mike <laughs> Jones playing, I think back in like 06, my dad like heard the the album and was like, who is that? And I'm like, it's Mike Jones. He's like, Mike Jones is, is rapping now? Like, because there was a Mike Jones. <laughs> Mike Jones is the guy who had the tackle in the Super Bowl with the Titans and the, uh, and, and the Rams. And the Rams, yeah. And that was Mike Jones. And my dad thought, <laughs> my dad thought Mike Jones had launched a, a second career for about 12 seconds. Um, so shout out to Mike Jones. He's, he's, he's a lot older now. I don't know how old Mike Jones is now. I'm going to send you this link. 39. Well, this is on the fly research and reporting, but apparently there was a story. Um, and shout out to the Terp Mike Jones for going to Thayer Academy. But um, what's up, McGurk? This article is from 2015, and the headline is that Mike Jones wants his phone number back. <laughs> ha! He wants to just like actually have it and just see who's calling. Yeah, I'm going to read from the story here, and then we'll get to uh, Lamar versus um, Mahomes. And this, this, yeah, this Patriot stuff that's going to be the most important thing we might say today, but I'm just I'm saving it for the end. Okay, um, let's see. Mike Jones became famous, notoriously wrapped his phone number out loud over the brilliant Oregon-driven beat for back then. It worked to remarkable success. Uh, according to the blog Hip Hop Overload, Jones' breakout success meant thousands of calls a day in a $50,000 <laughs> phone bill. And oh, he says, he, this, we got to get an update on this. Um, he says, Jones is in the process of fighting with Sprint to retain his number. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nothing like, <laughs> nothing like ponying up on lawyer fees to file suit. Or is he filing a suit or is he just fighting with Sprint? Like, what, what kind of fight is that? <laughs> something tells me that might have been a bill. And I'm not yeah. trying to call another man's FICO score out here. But if you, but you were hey, spending, you, speaking of Houston rappers, you you are pretty tight with one, right? Who me? Yeah, Riff Raff, bro, Jody High Roller. The Jody High Roller sway in the morning, five fingers of death. That's what they call it, right? Yeah, I've yes. seen it. I used to listen to it all the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm just I hate if I get anything wrong, especially with with other stuff. But would you consider that yourself you buddies said, I guess with, it's a little bit Jody older, but his whole, I can't tell if this is going to be the worst riff ever, or then he kind of saves himself a few times, and then he screws up at the end. He's like, ah, okay. go home fishing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing freestyle. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to Jody Hyrule. <laughs> I don't know when, when like was he- that video, because I saw him in concert... <laughs> Yeah, Not he's jacked purpose. now, bro. This dude is on like this dude is on the juice. Yeah, he's on the good stuff. I don't know what he's that. That's not celery juice because he was enormous when I saw him um, in Hermosa not that long ago, where it was arguably one of the weirdest concerts I'd ever been to. He was eating pizza with wings like on the stage, and then got up there, did like four maybe songs, four and a half was huge. Wasn't super into it. Diamond, 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 gonna glisten. Peace out the back door. And then in this video, he looks he looks like me in junior high. 
Yeah, he's a little deflated there, but the, the freestyle was largely, I, I chuckled. I watched it like six or seven times. Hey, I'm going to try Mike Jones right now, real quick. Let's see what happens. Can we go, this article is three years three? old. Track three? No, I'm going to try to call him right now is what I'm saying. Oh, you're going to call him? Well, this is weird. I got some like music. This sounds like I'm on hold, but it went right to it. All right, I'm going to get out of there. Okay, uh, back to football. That was long. That was a long tangent. Yeah. Okay, like I said before, and I, and I want to do a deeper quarterback thing here before we, we go, but when I watch Lamar this week, I, I'm watching the same way. I'm, you know, When Baker first starts playing, I'm like, okay, how good is he really going to be? Because at one point, it felt like Baker was going to be the biggest star in the NFL, and a lot of that is the hype of Cleveland, and that he looked good, and they had turned this offense around. But now that you know, it, it hasn't been as good as it, well, Bob Wiley calling out everybody, saying it was Greg Williams with the defense, and Peasy was the guy that called all the plays, and Kitchens fired everyone. You know, I don't know. It's easy to believe that stuff when teams don't look as good as they're, and they're losing. You have Daniel Jones do his thing and all these different things, and Lamar start his career the way he did last year with wins, but then look, I thought, like a much better quarterback these first two weeks, like MVP-level kind of stuff if Mahomes wasn't around. And then yesterday, I felt like and guys that are watching the All-22 have access to this will know better than me, but it looked like there was a lot of drop coverage. They were giving him the underneath throws, and Lamar was really struggling with some of those, and he made two throws that were ridiculous decisions that actually worked out, one at the goal line, one at the left pylon. And then he had a couple runs that worked out. But I don't know if that was a, hey, we have a couple weeks on this new version of Lamar and this is how we're going to defend him. Or maybe, you know, look, you're trying to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and, and Lamar will be right back to who he was in week four that he was week one and two. I'm consistently trying to find out what I think is actually real at this quarterback position because of all the turnover, because of the production for youth guys and I should just say young guys. That was a stupid way of saying it. But the youth, um, the youth. I, I, you know, there's just a lot there that I, I feel like I'm left on these Sundays, kind of shrugging, going, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what this is or what this new piece of information tells me about a guy's career." Well, if you know, if if we're talking about in general quarterback play right now, there's a reason they protect quarterbacks. I know we hate the roughing the passer calls, and me as a defensive lineman, I hate them. But try watching a slate of Sunday football right now with a solid bit of your, this past generation's uh, franchise quarterback sidelined. It's, it's, it's noticeably a little bit uglier and less provocative to look at. But this game was not, not an example of that to me, even though it wasn't a tight ball game per se till towards the end. Um, I, I think when you look at this game and, you're, and if you're Baltimore, the takeaway is that you feel pretty good. Because you go to Arrowhead, which is one of the toughest places to play in the league. It's um, it's home to probably the second odds-on favorite to get into the Super Bowl in Kansas City. Um, and you end up just short with multiple opportunities to get stops towards the end. And um, force an ensuing possible game-tying or game-winning drive for Lamar Jackson, who looked much more human in week three, and that's fine. I mean, there was going to be that moment that pace couldn't couldn't keep up. I think when you look at his his development from year one to year two that we've talked about before, it's going to be interesting to see his development from week three to week 16, 17 this year and into the playoffs because uh, if, you're, if you're walking away from this game, you feel pretty good. Lamar wasn't his best, and he still had him right there. And gosh, Ingram was was maybe... The biggest pickup and the biggest loss for a team offensively uh, in the league, uh, or one of them, because 
he's going to affect how the Saints play football this year, and he's going to really positively affect how Baltimore plays football. And I think he's going to be much more relevant down the stretch than people anticipated because Baltimore is better than people anticipated with Greg Roman. So, um, gosh, they were five of thirteen on third down. They weren't even that good da- on third down. They were good on fourth down. That Sneed catch was unbelievable. You mentioned some of those acrobatic catches and the throws that were just like, fuck it, I'm just tossing this ball up. Um, but I I feel good if I'm Baltimore. I actually don't feel like I lost. I mean, there's no such thing as moral victories in this league, and I know that's not the way Baltimore is going to talk about it, but you're getting on that plane. That is not a bad plane ride home. There's there's just a bigger thing there, and, and I'm glad you brought up like Ingram and all that stuff because with all of these teams throwing it all over the place, which I get, and you know, I used to always think the dumbest thing in the world was, hey, let's run it right up the middle, eye formation against two huge D tackles. You know, the football that we grew up watching and you go, or that you were out there actually playing in. You're like, why would you just, yeah. like the D line is so amped. The linebackers are so amped. Like, why would you hand it off right up the middle in the first play and just get it? And it gets stuffed every day, like every freaking game. Like, why would you even bother wasting that kind of play? And I'm wondering if there'll be some sort of counter shift or if we're already seeing it with New England a little bit, with Baltimore. The Colts didn't run it well this past week, but they ran it really well the first two weeks where you may have teams go, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're actually going to start running it in some of these other situations because they're playing so small defensively. They have safeties in. They have six defensive backs. I don't know. It's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I one of the big, the big reasons we won a Super Bowl in 17 was, was the run game. I mean, we threw the ball all around the yard in the Super Bowl, but it was the, the fact that we could run at will with with LeGarrett and and Jay and 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 Sproles and Clement. I mean, that backfield was loaded and you could do a little bit of everything. I think the power running though that's gone away that you're talking about, I mean, it's for sure it's a theme it's a theme offensively that that it's like it's gone the way of the dinosaur, bro. I mean, like when I got in the league it was counter power, big tight ends. I mean, you're not looking at there's no more algae crumplers, bro. I mean, um that San Francisco offensive line we used to play twice a year was huge and they were built to run the ball downhill with Frank Gore and and uh, you, you saw the league change in just a decade. I mean, it's completely different. So uh, I do think that there could be a little bit of an overcorrection and some people might at some point here get back to valuing the running back position and, and running the ball with authority. But when you kind of melt that, and it's ironic we're talking about San Francisco because Greg Roman was the guy in San Francisco and now he's in and um, he's the guy who did a great job with Cap. He's doing a great job with Lamar, and Lamar de- deserves credit. But when you melt, when you when you mold those two, those two factors, which is you've got an athletic quarterback who can make plays with his with his arm and and his legs, and you're capable of pounding the football, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how they play in November and December, um, because that's going to lend itself to success. Because I went through it since the start, week one of 2018. That turnover from that point to now is 16 different quarterbacks. And if you want to go back like a year before that, we're talking about two-thirds of that position has turned over in less than 36 months. And when I look at Darnold last year starting off against Detroit, you're like, okay, the Jets got a guy. You think about Goff, Pete Goff, what that's meant. And not that he's the fourth highest paid quarterback on average salary. And and look, Dak's going to end up being paid – higher than him because his deal will be more recent and you know maybe Dak ends up being the third highest paid quarterback does that mean he's the third best you know no but no. he looked like he, he's looked like a guy that you go okay this is ridiculous you've seen Wentz production whether it's uh, Jacoby Brissett now Lamar's first couple weeks 
Kyle Allen looked really good with Carolina yesterday. Minshew now yeah. all of a sudden people are hot on. I mean, I just my first instinct is instead of saying, "Oh wow, that's all these awesome young QBs," and it's you know it's the numbers, it's it's the officiating. We've been over this stuff all over again, but there's there's been some real peaks and valleys with these guys where when a Daniel Jones has the game he had against Tampa, I I can't help but just go, okay, that's awesome. Maybe it works out, but like get back to me in a month at the very yeah. least, and then I still got to see next year. I don't I I just I don't want to say stubborn, but it's it's a really it's a lot of turnover with young guys showing these blips as if they've solved quarterback problems when the reality is is half of them probably are still going to get replaced in two years. Well, I mean, we've been looking down the barrel of this thing for years now. I remember a few years ago thinking, you know, as you're waiting for the bottom to fall out on Drew Brees, on on Ben, on Tom, uh, on Philip, on Eli, you've got this whole crop of like, you know, quarterbacks who will be historically relevant for a long time and they're all hitting 40 around the same time. And, you know, you thought, what's that turnover going to look like? It's going to be, is it going to be really clear or is it going to be gradual? Is there going to, this could be the year that you look back at and say everything changed as far as quarterback play or um, the product on the field before it corrects itself over a couple of years could be a little bit different. The styles are going to be different and, and the faces are going to be different. I think people look back at this year and say, you know, this is the year we saw Phillips had enough, you know, Sunday afternoons. Uh, of agony and disappointment, you know, Eli's finally benched, um, you know, Tom, who knows, uh, but Drew has a thumb surgery, which is not something that's easy for him to come back and rehab during the season and be at his best, uh, and Ben's out for the year. So, I mean, all this turnover, it is hard to pinpoint because young guys can look really good one week and, and poor the next. So, uh, I think skepticism is okay on, you know, on your end, but, um, some of the product is ugly, man. I mean, it just, I can, I, I was sitting around watching games yesterday. Like this is ugly. I get why they, they protect quarterbacks. I really do. Yeah. We're already talking about seven guys being replaced. Cause I was, you know, I always go through the conference depth chart and then who's replaced who and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but it's a good point that you bring that if we've been looking at, you know, this, this staring analogy that you use where it's okay, breeze got this injury. How many more years, Brady, how many more years Ben out, Eli benched rivers, how much longer, like maybe we're having this mass amount of turnover um, because we have maybe it'll be 24 months where we're missing out on five or six guys that we just named. Within 24 months, we're like, hey, all of those guys were out of the league at the exact same time. They're all gone, time. dude, at the same time. I think we'll look back and say that. And I think that it'll be interesting to see that how the NFL, I don't want to say like fixes the game, but we all know they slant the, you know, the calls and the rules offensively. How will they continue to do that? Um, while also adapting to the changing style of quarterback play. I mean, like, because the product at the end of the day is the most important. I mean, San Francisco might be 3-0, and but they turn the ball five over five times, and Mason Rudolph against Jimmy G is not, like, something people are turning in or tuning into. Um, and there were some games yesterday where, you know, Seattle still got their franchise quarterback, but Teddy's starting. It's a different-looking game, and uh, it's it's less fun to watch. You know, even as a defensive player, I, I love defensive football. What I don't like is sloppy offensive football. Um, and you saw some overcorrection on the on the holding penalties. Everybody's talking about Tom tweeted about ridiculous penalties. He might have a lot to gain if they call more, call less holding. 
with his O-line. But um, people are like, flags for holding were down by 50% this week. You know, after a huge spike in emphasis and execution on uh, officiating on the, on the part of officials. So um, I think you'll see a lot more rules and, 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 and some things being called a lot more liberally um, to slant to offenses during this transition period. So what did you think of the Brady tweet? Do you think he was doing it like strategically? Do you think Tom does this? I mean, like, you know where I am on Tom. I am huge Tom fan. And I think Tom really is sending some of these tweets. I really do believe that. Do you think he sent that tweet? I do. I just thought he was screwing around. I thought he was like making fun of the whole thing. I mean, because part of this is you go, hey, if it wasn't for you and the Kansas City injury in 2008, this leg flag doesn't even exist. So, um, I mean, Tom has gotten plenty of, of flags, but for someone then, I think he was just screwing around being like, everybody complains all the time. I don't think he was doing this going, okay, if I send this. No, I don't think so either. I'm joking. I mean, like, you know, the, ironically, he could have a lot to gain from, I mean, with the group he, Dante's with Scar has to work with up in New England, who obviously if anybody can handle some of that turnover and change, it's him. And they do a terrific job of hitting the curveball. I have to talk about New England now for 30 seconds because, um, New England Twitter is very critical of the fact that I don't give New England enough love. Um, I agree with them. Hashtag, what about the Pats? <laughs> what about the Pats? They're awesome. I talk about the Pats every week. I love Tom Brady. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, but yeah, when he tweets that the penalties are ridiculous, I don't know if it's a coincidence or if the league saw the same thing, but um, wouldn't be the worst thing if uh, if they let some of the holding penalties go up in Foxborough because that O-line is, is it's uh, it's the only blind spot that team has this year. Now, I'm not betting against them and, and by any means because I think Scar can handle it. I thought he was going to tweet. Does um, you know, like why does why does rent count against the team salary cap? You didn't see a lot of Tom Brady's. Like, how did that? How did that play with Antonio Brown? Like, hey, dude, I know you got cut today, but we'll give you a, we'll give you a couple days. But I don't I don't want to have to evict you. <laughs> oh yeah, in his house. Yeah, that is interesting. Remember, you remember wonder- everybody thought it was hilarious. They were posting pictures together, and this is like really good content and. It's like, yeah, no, you're actually, like, you're off the team now. What if Bray, What if Antonio Brown's like, hey, we're still good, though, for me to like crash here till end of the year, right? Just a couple more months. Just a couple, just, just till next year. Um, not sure. I don't know if it's one out. of those things. I'm, I'm like a late checkout guy. Me too. Like I, and are you, do you go to the desk when you check out? Well, you know, I used to never. I, it, the weird thing was I felt like I was doing something wrong when I would just never check out on time so that I didn't want to have to have that verbal transaction with the front oh. desk. But but then I started looking at the bill. Like two days later, I'd get the bill emailed to me and go, what, what, are, what are all these charges? Like hotel upcharging, making up you charges, watched Hollow Man charges three is out times? of control. What's that? You watched Hollow Man three times? I didn't watch Hollow Man three times. <laughs> uh, um no, I mean, like, I sneak past the desk. I really don't feel like I, like, my stay was great. Uh, Bill looks good. Yes, I ordered a turkey burger at 11 o'clock. Like, that's about it. So I don't know if there was like a late checkout deal at Tom's house or like he just kind of like walked out without saying goodbye or 
avoided the front desk. But um, yeah, that's an interesting combo. Can I give you a little bit of a, like a newsy thing here on Antonio Brown? So yeah, go go ahead, Adam Chef uh, Brian Solo. <laughs> I I was talking to a couple of different people to check on this, and when I saw the language for the Patriots, and you know, hey, they cut him, and they were so smart, they staggered the bonus payment to the twenty third, which is today. So it's okay. They knew, so they didn't have to pay him. So the way it worked was that he had these two bonus payments, one that was due on or by today, and then another one in March, and that it was a pretty standard contract the way they handled it. But from what I heard is that Belichick just did this completely on his own. And as I've mentioned before in this podcast, that Bill likes Rosenhaus based on all the people I've talked to, and that Drew is somebody that NFL teams, despite the drama and the histrionics and him going on TV and saying all those things, that behind the scenes, he's a guy that wants to work and get deals done. He doesn't need every single last dollar. He wants to make sure his players get taken care of. And that's not always the same for all agents, which I'm sure you can attest to. And if you have any stories on that, feel free to jump in after this. So that when Brown was up, Rosenhaus calls Bill, hey, let's figure this thing out. Bill's like done. But then Belichick didn't consult anybody else, just did it. Okay. And I'm not even knocking Bill or the Patriots for signing Brown before we had these new pieces of information here. You know, I just, I'm not big on this world where if it's only a he said, she said, not taking sides, but when it's just that and that's the only information we have, I'm just not comfortable saying, hey, this guy shouldn't play or this guy shouldn't get another chance. Now, granted, his texts and, and some of the stuff since then, it's pretty overwhelming that he's, a, he's at best unhinged at worst something else that I'm probably not comfortable saying in this format. But yeah, I mean, the, that, the speculation, by the way, on that is insane. So many Twitter doctors, we have no idea what's going on. Right, because everybody's just like, okay, well, you know, that's the weird out now for football people when you act crazy. Brain damage. Like, oh, Everybody has brain damage. Yeah, okay. You know what? You also could just be a terrible guy. You could also just be a dumb human being. But, you know, I'm not even comfortable saying that kind of stuff unless you've interacted with somebody a little bit more. So back to the beginning of this deal, apparently Bill didn't talk to anybody else, didn't talk to anybody else about how he structured the deal and treated Brown like he was just a normal guy that was a high-profile free agent. So instead of doing a roster bonus, hey, let's just call it, you know, 750, call it a million a week when you're on the 46 man and ready to go to make sure that you're invested in this whole thing. Like that's how it should have been treated. And other people around the league were like, man, that's, that's a really weird way of doing this. And that's apparently what Bill just did. Bill got with Drew, trusted Drew and just went ahead and gave him this deal. So now you can say, okay, well, wait a minute. Has Brown been paid any of this money? Some people thought he was at least on or by today. I checked with somebody in New England. They said, no, he hasn't seen any of that dough. But if you look at the CBA, despite it feeling like players never get anything in the negotiations with owners, when it comes to civil complaints, and I'm not comfortable in a world where when it's a civil complaint, I'm just not comfortable saying you shouldn't be allowed to do anything unless we have Ray Rice kind of evidence that if it's a civil complaint and the contract says the bonus is due today and the next bonus is due in March, that it's still very much in favor of the player and that that's what Brown's going to fight. So Brown can send out all the nasty tweets or we can see the report from Schefter that Kraft is never going to pay Antonio Brown a dime because he sent out a tweet about the massage parlor. None of that's relevant. None of that's relevant because if the language says you owe me this much and it's not a hidden injury that the player or an agent lied about, it's just simply a civil, not criminal complaint, like there's still a chance he gets that money and that money is going to be on the cap books for the next year and uh, excuse me, this year and next year. And there's an argument to be made. And this isn't an anti-Bill thing, even though it was a horrible look what he did with Dana Jacobson. I don't understand why he keeps pulling off this thing like where he's some tough guy. Um, 
Yeah. It may have been a really reckless and stupid contract structure where he just did it on his own. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, um, the whole thing was curious. The whole thing has been curious to me. I mean, it's just it just goes to show that even in the face of evidence that this might not be a great move, and I don't know what they knew or what they didn't know, but even with everything that was happening leading up, coaches feel like they can get it done. They can change players. Um, they can work around the problems at hand, and and uh, even Bill's not immune to being in a bad spot, and maybe it's self-inflicted. So I've been one to kind of look at that situation from a contractual standpoint and see kind of like what what it looks like when the smoke clears, not so much how it looks now, but your point is, I mean, if, if that information's true, I mean, it's it's going to be a blunder for sure. Um, and And at the end of the day, it just goes to show coaches like Bill or, you know, some of the class of the NFL when it comes to, you know, managing players or making things work. Sometimes gambles don't pay off. And, uh, and at the end of it, I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested. What I'd be really interested to see is how this all played in the locker room in New England. I have no idea. You know, it's like a vault, uh, up there, but I can't imagine that people don't have their opinions and maybe they'll come out in time. What's the biggest distraction story you've ever had to deal with? Uh, hmm. When Jules started getting hot and everybody was asking about how, how <laughs> Yeah, when Jules started glowing up, you know? Uh, <laughs> nah, I don't know. I've always been one. I, I've never been distracted by anything because I think it's pretty simple. I just show up and do my job. And if I have to be like that New England uh, truism there, I just show up and do my job. But, um, you know, if you have to sit in open locker room for 30 minutes and get asked questions about somebody else, I think sometimes that gets overblown. Reporters can't stay in there any longer anyways. There might be more reporters at your locker, but you can just stay in the bathroom. You know, I can stay in the training room. There's been plenty of times where I didn't feel like talking to media and the media, you know, I, I respect they have to do their jobs, but sometimes there's days you just don't want to be in there. And uh, that's not being unaccountable. It's just, you know, there are little pockets of the building you can go and and disappear for a little bit. So, I've never been one to be tremendously worried about the distractions. I mean, obviously we went through um we went through the media firestorm that went with drafting a gay player in in St. Louis, which to me was not a big deal. I mean, like can the guy play football or not? I don't care. You know, like let's judge people by the merit of their play, but even the media um who's who's acting like they agree with that with that mindset are trying to drive a wedge or trying to trying to make something out of something that's not there. I mean, like our locker room was ready for that to happen. I mean, we uh it didn't affect the chemistry of the team at all, but the way the media shows up to your building every day you would think the media had an issue with it, not the team. So a lot of times distractions, they're, they're, they're not created by the players at all or the coaches at all. They're, they're just, um, it just is what it is. And so as players, it depends on the guy. I'm sure quarterbacks feel a certain way. Defensive ends play, feel a certain way. I can disappear and go in another part of the building during open locker room. Can I ask you, was Sam good enough to play in the NFL? 
Uh, he wasn't good enough to make the Rams uh, roster. I don't know about anywhere else. The, the thing people don't understand about the Michael thing, and and I, I wish Michael well, and uh, I, I think if you ask Mike, I, I our D-line room treated Mike like any other rookie. And um, that's because to us he was. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Um, I think... I think Mike was in the deepest D-line room in the league at that point. We had, in my opinion, the best D-line in the league. Um, our backups were really good. I wouldn't even call them backups. Uh, we rotated uh, ends, and he happened to be in the same draft class as Ethan Westbrooks, who was having a great a great uh, training camp and, uh, you know, um, great preseason games and, he just was the odd man out. I mean, there was nothing to it there. So, listen, you know, Mike uh, Mike was a really productive college player and had a nice preseason when you look at sacks. But uh, at the end of the day, he wasn't good enough to play for the Rams. I can only speak to that. Yeah, that's that's fair. Now, I want now, to bring of course, it back now, of course, to, everybody um, says he was getting blackballed or we cut him because of that. That's ridiculous. Uh, he wasn't getting blackballed. Anybody that says that is is um, is pushing an agenda, and I feel really yeah. Really I mean, because because there was that, nobody, so. there was nobody more. Like, we had one conversation about it, and that was it. Hey guys, this guy's a rookie, like anybody else. There's gonna be a lot of media in here trying to divide us, and there's gonna be a lot of media trying to make it seem like he's not. And that's where the distraction comes in. It's a lot of times it's not internal at all. It's what the media does. So, um. I thought everybody handled that pretty well. Yeah, I remember what you said because I asked you about it and uh, I thought it was really impressive. It was a while ago um, before peak friendship. But uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you what you said if you, if you don't mind because I, I think we're fine. Go ahead. I think as a leader of the team. I don't remember. No, as a leader of the team, you pulled everybody aside and probably was like, it was probably your defensive guy. So I, I, don't, I doubt you were addressing the entire team. Maybe you were, but because um, I just know how bracketed everything can be but you basically said like hey somebody at some point is probably going to screw up with this thing like somebody's going to say the wrong thing somebody's going to you know invite all sorts of negativity and speculation whatever we're not going to be that team that does that we're going to do we're mm-hmm. going to be the team that handles this the right way and we're not going to be the team that fucks this up so yeah because at the end of the day i mean as evidenced by you know, a player recently Coming out of the closet, I mean, like there have been uh, players of all sexual orientations in the league for a long time, and uh, they just haven't been vocal about it. And you know, um, from here on out, like if we screw this up, you know, as a locker room, there's going to be somebody that's going to have a hard time on a personal level, an emotional level, and and also from a business standpoint, that might be a guy. You know, forget the fact that you you care about people and you know, doing the right thing. I mean, do you want, do you want a guy to help you win games or not? Um, cause that's all it's about. And down the line, there's going to be a team that, you know, there might be a player who's not so comfortable. And, and if we handle this the right way, um, we have an opportunity to do something good here. And, uh, the media makes it really hard. The media tries to, to drive a wedge and, and, uh, and get guys to say the wrong things because the media and TV media, especially, uh, would like nothing more than for a guy to say something, you know, inappropriate or something that leads you to believe there is um, some resentment for, you know, what Mike or any of those players that go through that um, bring to the table from a football or 
in the locker room standpoint. Yeah. So I do want to shout out one guy who's probably the most unlucky guy in the league, and that's um, Josh Rosen, who had a nice day yesterday for the Dolphins. Um, week one and two, respectively, they gained 200 yards and 184 yards in total. And uh, week three, 216 yards in the first half. So um, pretty excited for him. Man, the, the deck's been loaded against him, and you can't imagine a guy. You talk about guys that like had to handle things the right way with, uh, you know, Arizona drafting Kyler. He knows immediately it's his replacement. People are critical of him for unfollowing the Cardinals. Uh, that's a guy who's got his heart broken a few times. And uh, I don't know. He's prop. Chances are the way Miami looks, they're they're not playing to have him as the quarterback of the future, but he's a mentally tough guy. He's resilient. I think he'll try to play his way into having decent trade value and hopefully end up on a winner next year, or a team that's more complete than Miami. So shout out to Josh Rosen. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. It's going to be pretty tough. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, it's when you start doing the, Hey, this is the start of the career. This, and then you go, Hey, a lot of stories, they don't have great endings when this is the beginning. Yeah. I want to shout out somebody a little different for a different reason. I'm going to shout out OJ Simpson. Um, do you know how hard it is to commit a double murder that basically all of us feel like he committed except for a bunch of jurors that were tired and wanted to go home? Um, to commit double murder and then somehow years later be even more unlikable because of your tweets. Well, That's Twitter a fucking tough that. one to pull off. And OJ Twitter pulled it off. And it, and it proves once again that when you talk about your fantasy lineup, Nobody. I think this proves people get more upset with that than actually murdering people. So um, I mean, no, nobody cares about the fantasy lineup. I mean, it is, somebody asked me like, "Who's filming these videos?" That's what I want to know. Like, who's his tech? And are guy? they all like one take? They feel like one take. And he had one where he was basically saying, "I hate. I hope AB in a civil suit understands, and maybe his lawyers didn't help him out. But you know, this sucks because I had AB. I had Andrew Luck." And now my, some other receiver got hurt, and he, or somebody else got hurt. He's like, so now my receivers aren't going to be as good. All right, talk to you soon. It's un, it's unbelievable that that guy. Don't worry, is, we'll be talking soon. Uh, I will be tweeting soon. <laughs> I, I just want you to hear these too. team names. I want you to hear these team names before we go, just in case you wanted. Uh, the Dolphins' 117 point point differential is only the only two teams that have, have been worse in NFL history. The Louisville Breck at minus 134 in 1922, and the Rochester Jeffersons at minus 122 in, in 1923. I'd never heard of these fucking teams. Um, there's <laughs> Rochester. I don't know what happened up there, but there was a time where Rochester, New York was the place you wanted to be. And it may have been the late aughts, early 20s, but their throwback jerseys, the Jeffs, are incredible. Really? And if your name was Jeff, yeah, if your name is Jeff, like you got you to gotta find a way to, to get one of these. It just says okay, the Jeffs. It's, I'm taking a picture of it right now. I'm sending it to you. This is fire. Oh yeah, they're they're super cool. Yeah, you probably should throw one on because I I feel like you're wearing that Jordan Barron's T-shirt too much. Just a well, I am. Thing. I'm I'm not a guy who's afraid to repeat T-shirts. 
Like I, yeah, I know it's, it's not an effort to, it's not an effort to be every man. I, I just am every man, bro. You keep that every man content coming at Joel nine one. And we get some other stuff coming from Chris soon. Big announcements. Uh, I've seen some of it already. It is incredible. You should be proud. And I, I can't wait for you to share it with everybody. So uh, thank you, buddy. Um, we'll talk soon, probably in 20 minutes. Sounds good. Okay. That'll do it for us this week. Make sure you subscribe and download and rate, review the whole deal. The Ryan Masillo podcast here at The Ringer. Summer is almost over. But that doesn't mean vacation has to end. Nothing like a nice little late September getaway, early October. With Hotel Tonight's Daily Drop feature, you can save money on a spontaneous trip in most cities. Use Daily Drop to unlock a special deal. And once unlocked, you'll have 15 minutes to book. You can unlock a new deal just for you every day, whether you're searching for tonight or a few weeks away. Daily Drop is an awesome way to save big. Visit HotelTonight.com or download the app to unlock a getaway today.